Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Happy Labor Day. Glad glad you're here today. Our scripture reading this morning is a short one. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it from the heart for the Lord and not for people. You know that you will receive an inheritance as a reward. You serve the Lord Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There was a a man, a monk, who lived in the 17th century in France known as Brother Lawrence. He joined a a Carmelite monastery in Paris uh, in hopes of living a life of worship and prayer and devotion. Uh, But Lawrence was not formally educated. He was not ordained as a priest. And so in the monastery, he was assigned to the kitchen. And so he spent most of his days cooking and scrubbing pots and doing things to prepare meals for the monastery. Later in life, when uh, his health failed and he couldn't be on his feet all day, he was reassigned to make leather sandals. But Brother Lawrence was a particularly devout man. He loved God, and he developed a, a practice for living out his spirituality, even in the kitchen, even at the workbench, to seek God's presence in all things. Later, this was accumulated, this teaching, in a book called The Practice of the Presence of God, which is considered to be a spiritual classic. Uh, Brother Lawrence, in time, came to believe that he could experience God just as much doing menial tasks as he could in worship or in more formal times of prayer. In fact, over time, he felt he could experience God more doing those just kind of ordinary tasks of his job and in fact ultimately said that he experienced God in worship more when he focused on God's presence in his daily tasks and duties. Uh, Just one quote from the book. He says, we can do little things for God. We can do little things for God. I turn the cake that is frying on the pan for love of him. And that done, if there's nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself and worship before him who has given me grace to work. Afterwards, I rise happier than a king. Did you catch that? That he'd fry a pancake and when the pancakes were done, he'd he'd position himself in in a prostrate position to worship God and God was present In both things, he frequently taught our only business in this life, whatever the business is that you are employed to do, 
Our only business in this life is to please God. And so this is our theme for the whole month of September. We're talking about work, but specifically how work can be an extension of our worship. Many of us, I think, are guilty of bifurcating our lives in such a way that we think about church is where we do spiritual things. I go to church for worship. I go to church for Bible study. But then the rest of my life, I live this, this other life. We don't think about the way those two things intersect. But what if everything we do throughout our week, seven days a week, is an extension, an expression of our worship? Yes, we come here on Sundays for for worship that we do with music and scripture and sermon and sacraments. But what if that's only one way to worship? What if that's only one kind of formal expression of worship? What if everything we do every day, including our work, could be our worship? Now, when I say work, I don't only mean the work we're employed to do or or paid to do, and I certainly don't only mean religious work. When I say work, I mean it in the broadest possible way. I mean the jobs we get paychecks from. I mean our volunteering. I mean the, the, the going to school if you're a, a school age or in college. I mean uh, the, the work we do in our homes to keep our homes clean and mowing the yard. I mean the work we do to care for our families. Even the self-care we do. It takes a lot of work just to keep ourselves going sometimes. I mean, work that might include the Wall Street executive who's making millions of dollars and the soup kitchen volunteer and the mom who changes a diaper and and me when I brush my teeth this morning. All of it perhaps is an opportunity to honor and worship God. Now, arguably, I have a hard time telling you exactly how God is worshiped and honored and changing a diaper and brushing teeth, but I think you get the point. What if all of it is our work, our life's work, and God is in all of it? What if we can worship God equally in the artist's studio, in the accountant's office, in the judge's courtroom, in the surgeon's operating room, in the chef's kitchen, the gardener's flower bed, the salesman's showroom, the teacher's classroom, on the sports court or field, in a pastor's study, in a mechanic's garage, a theater stage, a computer programmer's laptop, in a scientist's lab, in a church sanctuary even? What if all of those our equal opportunity locations and vocations to worship God. Brother Lawrence is part of a tradition in uh, the monastic life, monastery life, convents and nuns and monasteries and monks called ora et labora. It's a Latin phrase, ora meaning prayer, labora meaning work. And they've discovered through the many centuries of religious life that there's value to finding balance between the, the daily times of worship and prayer and work. Every nun, every monk in a monastery or convent has a job to do. They're, they're part of uh, preparing food like Brother Lawrence or cleaning the place or somebody's got to pay the bills or correspondence or gardening, whatever it is. Some work out in the world in communities as teachers and, and doing all kinds of things. And they find a way of balancing these two and finding God in both. 
We, we were never intended, nobody, even the most holy monk or nun, were never intended to be just gavel-nazing mystics sitting, sitting up on some mountain, you know, constantly 100% of the time, you know, wrapped in attention, you know, with God. That, that's a good thing, you know, get it when you can. Go up to the mountaintop and experience God. But most of us need a balance of work and worship, prayer and, and tasks to keep life going. The truth is, biblically speaking, we were made to work. That is part of the creative process. God created us to be co-laborers. Just as God is constantly working, creating, recreating, redeeming, healing, sustaining the world, God invites us to be part of that work. It says in Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the human and settled him in the Garden of Eden to farm it, and to take care of it. Right from the beginning of creation, we were made to participate in creation. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. I want you to think a minute about about how God created. If we go back to Genesis 1, the very opening verses of the Bible say that before God created everything, there was chaos and darkness. And God spoke a word. God said, let there be light, and there was light. But we always have to remember there was light and darkness. God didn't obliterate the darkness. God set limits to the darkness. God created a space of light where there could be life and flourishing. But the darkness was always, the chaos was always at the margins. When God created the human and placed the human in the garden to farm it and to take care of it, God was inviting us into this process of setting limits to the chaos, to take advantage of space where there could be flourishing, but also to hold back all that tries to invade it. If you've ever uh, planted a garden, if you've ever been a farmer, you know there's an opportunity there to grow life and, and beauty and food to eat, right? But there's always invaders, There's always weeds to be pulled, right? There's always fungus and insects and birds. You've got to put up a scarecrow. There's always darkness encroaching. That's part of the work. How do we flourish where there is a place for light? And how do we hold back the chaos that wants to push in? Lisa Sharon Harper writes, When humanity does not fulfill its call to steward creation, the untamed wilderness takes over. Isn't that that why scientists work so hard to create a COVID vaccine, right? To tame and end a pandemic. Isn't that why we have accountants who create budgets to tame overspending so we can avoid bankruptcy? Isn't that why we have government to tame lawlessness? Isn't that why we just sent troops over to Afghanistan to create a, a safe place to evacuate innocent people, hold back chaos? Isn't that why we just sent first responders into the the Gulf and up into the Northeast to to bring order out of chaos, helping people who are suffering because of the after effects of Hurricane Ida? Isn't that why engineers went in to rebuild the levees after Hurricane Katrina to hold back floodwaters and future storms like Hurricane Ida? Isn't that why we come here to worship? To have a, a time, a safe place where we can tame and push back 
discouragement and false messages and myriad temptations that bombard us in our daily lives. It's saying darkness, you can come no further. We need a place to flourish and grow. This is the ongoing work of creation. It's the invitation to be part of God's ongoing farming and tending and stewarding the created order. Let me, I want, I want to just take a moment to also point out in biblical times, there was a direct connection between one's labor and one's worship. The primary expression of worship in biblical times was animal sacrifice. Well, where did the animal come from? It came from my flock. I raised it. It was the fruit, the flourishing of my work, and I bring it as my worship to the priest, to God. There was a direct connection. Sometimes I don't know if we see that connection in the same way today. Yes, we give an offering, and it you know, probably comes from our paycheck. But sometimes I think we forget that there's meant to be this deeper connection between work and worship. What if? What if how we do our work, the how we approach our work, is our primary form of worship? What, what if it's about the morals and the ethicals we practice in the workplace? What if it's the quality and the excellence of the work we do? What if it's employing just employment practices that are fair to everyone? What if it's being more prayerful in our business decisions? What if it's caring through our work for the needs of others and the world at large? What if it's practicing those Methodist principles to do no harm and to do all the good you can, even in the workplace? What if we viewed our coworkers, our employees, our clients as children of God? What if we temper profit-making, which is important, with fair wages? and fair prices and quality workmanship? What if our work increases beauty in the world? What if our work speaks truth to the world? What if our work builds peace in the world? What if our work is the building of the kingdom of God that we pray that God will bring to the earth as it is in heaven? What if everything we do every opportunity, every gift that God has given us, every ability that's been invested in us is an opportunity to serve God, to make the world a better place and to honor God as we do it. That could include a well-written paper for your class. That it could include making a delicious meal for someone. It could include a fair trial for someone who has committed a crime and yet they're going to be treated fairly. It's, it's practicing just laws as a society. Compassionate care for the hurting. A well-presented lecture if you're a professor. A building a safe home if you're a builder. A, a fair deal with somebody. A, a medical treatment that somebody desperately needs to live a better life. The good, wise advice of a consultant. A well-designed computer program. It's everything. Everything is an opportunity to serve and honor God and to worship God. Martin Luther, the, the, the church reformer, once said, the Christian shoemaker, cobbler, the shoemaker, does his duty not by putting little crosses on his shoes, decorating them with little crosses, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. 
So our verse today was Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it from the heart for the Lord and not for people. Now that's wise advice, but I have to admit that this is a little bit of a problematic passage. In this passage, Paul is talking to slaves. He's telling slaves, whatever you do, do it from the heart for the Lord and not for people. He's implying Don't just do it for the person who you are enslaved to, your master. Do it for God who is your true master. Now, I need to say, Paul is not endorsing slavery here. It was just a fact of life in biblical times. And I need to also say that slavery in biblical times was very different than the experience of slavery in the United States. Oftentimes it was mutually beneficial in biblical times for the slave who might be indebted to the person who is their master until they could work off that debt. Regardless, Paul is not endorsing slavery here. He's simply acknowledging that you as a slave might be a Christian and your master might not be, but your work for your master, your earthly master, matters because ultimately all of our work is for God. He echoes this in 1 Corinthians 10.31 where he's talking to slaves and masters and all of us Whatever you do, you should do it all for God's glory. Whatever you do, you should do it all for God's glory. That means that whatever your work is, whomever you work for, whatever the purpose of your work might be, however well you're paid for it or not, do it for God. Because God's the one we serve. And that all work, all work, if we approach it, from the right spiritual perspective and intent is an act of worship. The founder of Methodism, John Wesley, once said, be always employed. He doesn't mean always have a paid job. He means always have a task to do. Be always employed. Lose no shred of time. Gather up the fragments that nothing be lost. And whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. I'm a huge fan of Dr. Martin Luther King. I find his writings, his teachings, his example very inspiring. I especially appreciate him as a preacher and as a speaker. And my favorite speech that he ever gave, he gave to a group of eighth graders. It was called Be the Best. I'm not going to share all of it. I may have shared some of this before, but I want to end just with this quote from Dr. King to a group of eighth graders. He says, when you discover what you will be in your life, Set out to do it as if God Almighty called you at this particular moment in history to do it. Don't just set out to do a good job. Set out to do such a good job that the living, the dead, or the unborn couldn't do it any better. If it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets to the glory of God. Sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Leontine Price sings before the Metropolitan Opera. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that the host of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, Here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. Friends, what's your work? 
and what's your worship? Let's pray. And so God, may all of the tasks that you call us to in this life, big and small, some that get noticed and many who do, that do not, some we get paid for and most we do not, May they all be an extension of your good work in this world. May we honor you and serve you in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.